The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Dynamic Healing with two experts in chronic pain, David Hanscom and Les Aria. This podcast will show you how to unlock your body's ability to heal. Just breathe and learn how to rewire your brain and break free from chronic pain. Welcome to Dynamic Healing Podcast. I'm Les Aria. And I'm David Hanscom. Well, folks, today we're upon the holidays. So David and I'd like to part some wisdom, hopefully. The title for today's podcast is Coping with Family Stuff During the Holidays. And what we really want to teach and maybe discuss is how to help you enjoy the holidays to celebrate it instead of getting drunk emotionally in your pain and also the trials and tribulations of being around family members. So our quote today is, it's not what happens to you, but how you react to it that matters. And this is written by Epictetus almost 2,000 years ago. And so again, I'll say it again, it's not what happens to you, but how you react to it that matters, Epictetus. Yeah, that's a that's a great quote. In fact, um, this guy is is brilliant with all his different writings. The one thing I would change, David, not to sound more wise than him, but um, it's not what happens to you, but how you respond to it that matters. Reacting is a neurobiological mechanism, and responding is a personal choice. So with that said, um, we have a couple of things we wanted to kind of hammer home here during the holidays. So David, we'll, we'll, we'll cover a couple of things here for the audience about teaching people to know their triggers. We'll also talk about um, three behavioral cues to help you reduce the chances of being fully activated and triggered by family members during the holidays. And David and I would like to share three practical tips that seems to work for us and um and David and I love to talk about play, especially David. So we'll throw that all in. How about we get started here, David? Yeah, this is a big one. And um, I'll just preface this by saying it's fascinating to me. People will do anything during Thanksgiving and Christmas to travel all over the country. Thanksgiving, I think, is the biggest travel day of the year. And people have an incredible need to be around their families. Yet, when they get around the families, there's a high chance there could be some catastrophe that happens almost every time, every year. The patterns get repeated. And we would like you to enjoy your holidays because it's possible. These are people that are close to you. But we also found out in our chronic pain world, both mental and physical, that families are by far and away your deepest triggers. And the reason why is that's, that is who programmed you 
to survive in this world. That's how you get your self-image, self-esteem, whatever you want to call it. So you're defined by your family. And you've heard me say this multiple times, is that we are who everybody thinks we should be, especially your family. Now, that's not bad. I mean, that's the way life is. But as far as knowing who you are, you are not your triggers. But when you're around your family, your deepest triggers get fired up. So the people that you love the most often set up the deepest reactions. And many families are broken up permanently from the holidays. Yeah, and it's it a really, tragedy. really is. Yeah, uh, uh, and David, I, I think we, what you just said there, I'm sitting and listening here, and I'm sure the audience is probably going, yeah, no kidding. But this is the funny part as human beings. During the holidays, we know stuff is going to happen, but we somehow keep using the same damn old strategies. Hey, right. David, what is that What is that saying? And correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, insanity is doing the same things over and over again and hoping for a different outcome. I think it's something like that. Right. And we now know that physiologically, this is something you I have learned from, you know, our work group, um, Dr. Porges and company with the autonomic nervous system, that when you are triggered, anytime you're anxious or angry, they're the same physiological reaction. Right. And you said it very clearly, anxiety and anger are physiological states. But the problem is your brain goes offline, truly goes offline. Blood, blood supply changes, your metabolic activity changes. So you go from your neocortex, your thinking centers, down into the limbic system or the, or the survival brain. So you actually physiologically cannot think clearly when you're triggered. Yeah. And so I have my little clues how to deal with this, but honestly, and we talked about this before the podcast today, and this is a different topic about triggers, but if you do something that irritates me, we have a choice. I can be irritated at you, and I'm, I'm probably saying more things to you that irritated you than you have to me, because I tend to be a little sarcastic. I don't know if you noticed that. No, I'm not at all. <laughs> You'll write that. That was right back at you. Okay, I rest my case. But you know something, if you, if you have a relationship with somebody and you value it, you have to learn the tools, and they are tools, not positive thinking, not let's do better next time, but flat out learning how to process triggers. So, Les, if you say something that irritates me, don't test me this morning. Oh, you could. Maybe you'll test me. <laughs> but honestly, okay, I'm triggered. And Demelo points this out, who is our theme for this thing, the way to love, is that if somebody says something to you that irritates you, you thank them because they gave you insight into your own behavior. Yeah, yeah, I don't know about that, David. Let, let me do so I think I think I, I love that. You are a man who's who's always looking to refine himself. And folks, I know you, I don't know whether you're like David or myself in the sense that that I mean he makes it sound pretty easy, but I will say this to you. I've known David for a while now. David really does practice that. I, I will say that. So David, it's really it's uh, it's amazing that you can do that. I have more than um more than half of my patients who actually struggle to do that. They really um, find it hard to even be grateful that they have unfinished business to be psychological here. When they get activated um, by family members, they go into this tailspin. You guys ever see Top Gun? I'm not sure any one of the Top Guns because it happened in both. When they lose power, the plane spins and, right. um, and the pilot just lose control, loses control. It's almost as David says frequently in this podcast, it's almost like we go offline. We're no longer in the present moment. We're actually caught up in the past. And one of my patients put it really well. When she's around family members during the holidays, it's as if the tsunami walks 
floods the the living room where the family members are and and it's so overwhelming that she actually feels like she's drowning in her emotions and and sorrows and what she has is a smile but her body is starting to develop tension headache she can see feel a migraine just about to come on her back starts to flare up her heart pounds she starts to break into a sweat i mean that is the sympathetic response moving down into the freeze state so I right. mean, I think that's great, David, that we can do this. So, um, but I, I think that's the ultimate goal, isn't it, David? That when we're triggered, it lets us know that it's unfinished business. Well, and when you're triggered, you're in the past, you're not in the present. You've lost awareness by definition. Yet is awareness is at the essence of all successful human relationships. We have yeah. a big problem here. But I'll just point that one thing out with this patient of yours. And again, I think you and I have both seen this now thousands of times. This is not a subtle problem. I think it's... 90% of people, more than 50%. People yeah. get triggered by their family. People get triggered by people. But this is a big topic that we'll, we'll keep unpacking. But today we want to do the three things, knowing the triggers, the behavioral cues, and three practical tips. And let's you outline three triggers when you're running yeah. sample triggers. Um, there's hundreds of them, by the way. But these are good <laughs> ones. Yeah, yeah I mean, there are hundreds of them. It's incredible what triggers people. And, and you see, the problem is you never know what the triggers are. So it's not completely your responsibility to be responsible for, responsible for somebody else's triggers. But yeah, you don't want to, you also being aware of what does trigger them. So if you can avoid it, great. But if they get upset at you, it's actually their problem. And that's what's yeah. so hard about this process. I want you, David, I want you to take a step back and say that one more time. So our audience really caught it because you said it really fast. I want you to, you're basically saying that who owns the uh, who owns the triggers because the audience may have missed that important message, and um, and then we'll go through maybe some of the three common triggers when you're being around family. But David, could you unpackage that a little bit when you say that um, when you're actually telling us who is responsible? When I get triggered, who who is responsible for that? You are, hundred percent. Now this is the hardest part of the entire model of what we work with as far as the neuroscience of pain and behavior is that, okay, you say something that irritates me and I 100% intellectually realize that it's my issue. You trigger something in me right. because the person standing next to me may not be triggered at all by what you just said. So who is it? Is it you or is it me? It's me. The problem is it feels like you. That's This is by far and away the hardest part of my issue is that I intellectually know that I'm responsible, but it still feels like the other person. Yep. And I just want the audience to know that we're not we're not blaming you, we're not telling you or shaming you and telling you that you know you're the issue. What you're saying is that when you get triggered, it's a neurobiological reaction that's innate. So it's built in us. Right. And from a psychological perspective, um, audience, one of the things I want you to know this is it's just human for us to blame someone else because we come back to the biology of things is when something is yucky, we tend to try to get rid of it or throw it out. So when we have messy feelings that show up, we try to pitch that dang pie of emotions out the window to someone else who's willing to catch it. And it's just a biological thing that seems to trigger the psychological states in this, or I should say psychological defenses. And simplicity here, when you find yourself kind of blaming someone for them uh, as i heard one mom pushing um, a five-year-old in a cart david telling the five-year-old you're now pissing me off young man stop I'm gonna... and so um this happened many moons ago and sebastian who is now 22 my oldest 
Sebastian said to me, is that uh, is that boy the boss of the mommy? And so and I thought it was brilliant. He said, so I said, I guess you're right, because if that little kid is pissing off the mom, then only that little kid can make the mom feel better. So that means the mom gave up control. Correct. The point here is this is when we get triggered, there is a biology to this. That's one. Number two, there's a psychology which we call psychological defenses of blaming and shaming and doing a bunch of other things. And when that happens, we tend to, when we get triggered, as David is saying, it's actually our responsibility. He's absolutely right about that because it lets you know there are unfinished business and dynamics. So the holidays is not the time to kind of do those things, to try to kind of uh, resolve things, but the goal is to be able to recognize your triggers. But the message here is it's normal and human to say, well, that person pissed me off or that person triggered me. And our message here today is it's actually yours to own. And so what we want to enter is the first trigger here. The number one trigger that I've asked my patients, and I've been doing this for the past few weeks, just to kind of get ready for today's episode done, by the way, David, I was working really hard. And so the number one trigger um, my patients told me is this is criticism. When they say like, oh, that's uh, that's an interesting outfit. Oh, did you put enough um, sour cream in that? Oh, uh, do you think you need to bake the turkey a little bit longer? Oh, where did you ever get this brine from? And so you get this criticism about the food, about you, about the home, about the kids. And so the criticism seems to be a very punishing thing because it places the person in a childlike position. Well, I mean, this is a huge deep one that we can do 10 podcasts on is criticism. Why do we criticize anybody? Think about it. I mean, true. I mean, we have, see, we have a worldview, we're programmed, each person is programmed by every second of their life. <clears throat> we look at everything differently, everything. This book, this table, the chair, a car, everything means something different to me than it does to you, especially with abstract thinking, concepts, behaviors, relationships, it's incredibly, infinitely different. So as humans, we're infinitely different. So if we flip it around and say, well, I think you should do this, this, and this, all you're doing is projecting your self-criticism onto the other person. That's it. And so when you criticize me for whatever, you might as well put a bullhorn on your head and say, this is the way I feel about myself. And so, and then I don't, this is really disturbing to me because I can't tell you the number of friends of mine, um, both male and female, <clears throat> that are consistently criticized by their partner or spouse. It's unbelievable. And then we do it to our, we definitely do it to our kids and then of course to our parents. So we have this incredible need to criticize and it's simply be your, you're basically projecting your view of yourself, the self-critical voice onto you. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, 
And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And David, you're right about that. And that's a big one besides um, family members criticizing you, your loved ones, your partner, your spouse. Um, I think that's absolutely right. And that's when my patients tell me, I feel like I'm being parented. And so we just want you to recognize that. We'll go through a few other um, triggers, see whether it sits well with you. Hey, David, the other one was, uh, the other two here is the financial worries about, you know, food and travel. It's like, who's going to pay for things? Uh, are we going to go half and half? Um, you know, who's bringing what. It's really interesting when it comes to finances. David um, uh, and audience, they've done several studies, and I want you to listen up to this. Isn't it amazing that when we have financial worries and concerns, in 2008, when we had that crash with the mortgage stuff, and um, when everything dipped, and many people uh, got impacted by their 401s and the homes and all of that stuff, I saw an upsurge of um, autoimmune conditions come through my um, consults. Right. I saw that and I also saw a huge wave of people losing their homes, but I couldn't figure out like why everyone was so flared up by January and February as we rolled into 2009 even. And then I simply asked people like, what changed in your life? What else was hurting in your life? And I found out that financial worries and that year and a couple of years thereafter, too, there were studies done that when people have financial worries, it produces inflammation in the body. In fact, they also had identified one of the biological markers to be the interleukin-6 inflammatory marker. Isn't that amazing that worry can trigger physiology and inflammation? Right. And we now know that your environment, chronic stress, actually causes chronic illness and disease. So what we found out in our work group that essentially every chronic illness and disease, mental and physical, are caused by chronic inflammation. The, the, your body's fired up, your body is fired up and it just wears out. Yeah. So the other one, again, another big topic is the other triggers. We talk about criticism being a trigger, financial worries are a huge one. Plus, I just had to mention that, you know, you go to a family gathering, some siblings or people in the family are incredibly successful financially and other people are not have not done so well i run we run across this all the time yeah so there's a certain amount of jealousy that pops up which is also big you know you have this you have this i didn't do this so it calls you out because you're raised in the same family essentially the same opportunities one person's successful and the other one's not yeah. so what's more important your relationship with your sibling or family member or staying resentful because you didn't do as well as they did. Yeah, good point. Very good point. So the third one is feeling pressure to be happy or positive. And we're not going to spend too much time on this because I really want to get to the cues and the solutions. But Les and I both agree that positive outlook is really critical. In other words, what do you want in your life? How do you want to get there? But positive thinking is a disaster because you're yeah. not seeing negative thinking. 
And we know that suppressed thoughts and emotions actually shrink the hippocampus of your brain, which is the yeah. memory center. Actually, physically shrinks your brain when you suppress thoughts and emotions. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it is. It, not only does it suppress, um, and one of the things that we know for a fact is when you're when you're trying to be positive. So listen, I just want you to be clear, folks. Um, I have a very deep spiritual practice. So it doesn't mean that, and it and it has um, the air of positivity. You know, there's hope, there's love, there's joy. I want everyone to hear this. There is a time and there's a place to be positive. It's 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 good. Many of you are very positive and have an outlook. That's okay. There's nothing wrong. However, here's what I want everyone to listen up and lean into this: is I want you to pay attention to when you are feeling triggered, trying to put positivity during a painful experience. It's like trying to put ice cream on poop. Please stop ice cream on poop. It belongs on a cone. Nothing else. My point here is this. My point here is this. I want you to realize that when you feel sad and angry and fearful or whatever strong raw emotion experience, including shame, that's yours. And no one should take that away from you. And we're trying to say that it's okay to experience that and it's okay for you to learn to regulate that. But trying to quickly switch into positive thinking that, okay, um, all is going to be well, all is going to be well, is identical to saying as if the house is burning down inside of you and you're sitting in the middle of the room saying happy thoughts, happy thoughts. Mm -hmm. The reality is this is positivity has its place. It's good to be a positive person, nothing wrong with that, but validate your emotions when you're struggling because they will come back to knock at the forehead in your brain when you're asleep because that's when we tend to process unprocessed things. Well, if also as a family member who is not doing well, who really triggers a heck out of you, you actually can you know flip that a step further and develop compassion for what happened, what's going on, how can I be there for this person? Now, you can't help them, but you can be there for them. And so developing compassion is a lot different than positive thinking. So, Les, I want to go into these behavioral cues um, to help you identify what happens before you come activated. And again, anxiety and anger are triggers. I'm sorry. Triggers yield anxiety and anger. Your brain is offline. They're automatic. They're powerful. And you cannot control it. You cannot control it. Remember. So anxiety and anger are physiological states. And so Les listed three behavioral cues to identify what's going on becoming before you become fully activated. Yeah. And I'll just emphasize again, the unconscious brain, the survival reaction is a million times stronger than your conscious brain. So go, go back to the positive thinking just for a second. Um, there's a term called cognitive fatigue. It's mm. such a mismatch of your unconscious versus conscious that yeah. your conscious brain just wears out. You cannot keep it contained. It's not possible. So the bottom line is you're looking at your body's physiology and there's some cues that um, tell you what's going physiologically. So we'll go over these quickly. So we want to spend a little time with the solutions. We want you, we want you all to have a very happy holiday. Yeah. So let's take a look at that. So these are three behavioral cues. And when I say behavioral cues, because there are many different things you can look for. So pay attention to this. These are three behavioral cues. I'm going to mention them and I'm going to go break them down step by step. So when you notice you're activated, you it'll show up. So when you're triggered, activated, whatever word you want to use, when you're no longer in the present, these are three behavioral cues. You'll notice a mood shift. You'll notice tension shifts. And you'll notice your breath rate will shift. Let's tackle moods. When you are in front of someone and all of a sudden they make a comment 
or many of us know this, family members, when they don't say something, but it's the non-verbals, right? Maybe the a little tone of voice or a little sigh or the list of eyebrow, or they speak in high-pitched voices because they're telling you, do you like it? Oh, yeah, I like it. And those kind of triggers, when you notice something showing up, your moods will shift. So when you notice your mood shifting, find it in your body. This is the tickle message. Whatever happens to you, whether it's a difficult thought, emotional sensation, come back home to your body. Your body is the anchor. And I know many of us don't like being in the body because we have trauma and chronic pain. For that matter, when you notice a mood shift, come back to the body and notice where you feel the mood shift to start to work with it and even breathe with it. Do not suppress your emotions because burying your emotions alive will lead you to finally step on them at some point during the holidays. And David, kaboom. So when we bury feelings, we it's like a landmine. So we got to be careful about that. Well, I just want to make one comment is that, um, again, this is physiology. Again, that's how the body functions. So we look at thoughts. An unpleasant thought, unpleasant repetitive thoughts is the term. And suppressed thoughts are even worse. That's input. So go, go into the dynamic healing. You have the input or your thoughts. Those are threats. Then you have your brain. So either active or calm and then you have your physiology so the emotions are your physiology so if you're in yeah. fight or flight and activated you're going to feel these triggers going on right and we feel content and safe then those are again our emotions so emotions are the physiology and what Les is talking about are is your body reacting yep because that's where emotions are experienced the, yep. the cognitive process the thinking can set them off but the body is responding yeah, and that's exactly what we're trying to say, which ties into the next one, David, uh, and audience is that, so one, when you notice a mood shift, you really have left the present moment. So right. the, the intervention there is notice where you feel that mood shift, that anger, that shame, that anxiety, that fear, whatever it is, find it in your body and work with it, which means breathe from that area. The second thing we want you to do is notice your tension shift. So if you're sitting there and all of a sudden you're eating some, and everyone's laughing or someone's talking about how successful they are or maybe how bad things are or someone makes a rude comment, maybe a kid or whatever the issue is, it's overstimulating for you. You may say like, oh, no, I don't have triggers like this. Listen, folks, when you notice a tension shift in you, which means when you notice a sudden muscle tension in your body, increase, game on your nervous system just took over. So whenever we notice any tension shifts, we want to pay attention to, and here's a big tip, David, and hopefully it'll be kind of fun to do with the audience, is everyone right now, that's right, put your phone down, make sure your hands free. If you're driving, hands on the steering wheel, folks. Stay focused. All right, here we go. <laughs> little disclaimer there. <laughs> Liability. All right, so take everyone, take your right hand. That's right. Take your right hand. And now place it on your left shoulder muscle, your trapezius. Now press, so it's that shoulder muscle next to your neck and press and go towards your, your shoulders and then come back towards your neck. Now take your left hand, switch hands now and press your right shoulder muscle, your trapezius, starting at the neck, base of the neck, moving towards the shoulder and then come back from the shoulder back to the neck. Now, if you notice tension in your shoulders, it means you are really activated and 
you probably could potentially kind of leap from that, that emotion that's there, that tension that's there. So let's kind of make it concrete. If you notice left-sided muscle tension, then that means you are locked and loaded in fear or, or anxiety. If you notice the right side of your shoulder muscles tight, right side, you are actually suppressing emotions or you could be angry, irritated, and or complaining all day long. So right-sided anger or complaining or suppressing emotions. Left side muscle tension associated with anxiety or fear. No, that's fantastic. <clears throat> so I just want to summarize what we've said so far is that when you go home to your family, you will be triggered. So um, we have three practical tips. One of them is manage expectations. Number two, man practice your skills. This is a learned skill set. This is not mind over matter. The third one is take time for yourself. So let's talk about the expectations one. Then under practice your skills, I have a couple of skills I'm going to put in there that I think are and helpful. David, yes, yeah, David, before you go to the practical skills, sorry, audience, we forgot to put one more thing, David. We forgot to do breath shifts. So mood shifts, tension shifts, and breath oh, shifts. right, I'm sorry. Okay, no worries. And so, uh, and did, did I shift. just trigger you? Um, no, you didn't, um, but I'm trying not to suppress my anger. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, no. Um, folks, sorry. Um, the three behavioral cues are mood shifts, tension shifts. And the last one that we kind of skipped over was called breath shifts. Whenever you notice you're holding your breath around certain family members, such as your, your breath rate is you're holding it, you're breathing fast or it's shallow, I want you to recognize when you notice mood shifts, tension shifts, or breath rate shifts, it means your autonomic nervous system is dominant. So which means your stress response is taking over. It's really important at that point to find practical ways to kind of step back and influence your nervous system. David, now we can do the practical tips. You sure? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't, want to, I don't want to piss you off. <laughs> D David, is this a family Thanksgiving dinner right now? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so, but I do want to say something that going to the, global picture here is the biggest factor that helps you heal is awareness just yeah. awareness so you're aware of your mood you're aware of tension you're aware of your breath and then also i've developed an awareness of what's my effect on other people what did they just do what did i just say so i can't tiptoe around other people's triggers but i also want to be mindful if i can so awareness is the key so i think the practical tips that we talked about again and let's let you talk about this because I have some ideas about practical skills. Yeah. But okay, become aware. Okay, you're gonna go to a family gathering. And like you said before, we keep going and, and going through the same reactions we did before. But right. remember, that's the whole point of triggers, is it's like this cosmic ping-pong game that doesn't stop because no part both parties are quote offline, both parties cannot think clearly. And I realize when I get into my trigger mode, I won't go into detail is that you could script the conversations almost word for word yeah. because they're just reactions. You're not even here anymore. So you're not enjoying your day. You're triggered with this other person. So um, your first tip less is manage expectations. It will happen. You will be triggered. What are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. And um, we're, we're chuckling about this because Dave and I have talked about this many times with our different families and um so is that we walk in, manage expectations. I want to kind of keep uh, have you have some perspective. A lot of times we're influenced by social media and the movies, for example, two different mediums and about how um, everything is wonderful. There are lots of Christmas movies coming out and remember the old good old ones. And so the point here is this is 
keep your perspective. This is not Hollywood. This is reality. It doesn't, I don't, David and I do not mean to be, uh, you know, to dampen your holiday celebrations, but we're trying to tell you is be realistic. There are some people are the way they are and that's who they are. To expect them to be something else different during the holidays is basically a setup for you to upset yourself, trigger your emotions, getting drunk in it, and then flaring up. So let's manage expectations to manage you not being drunk in your emotions and not getting flared up. So let people be who they are and keep your distance from them if you cannot, you know, uh, enjoy them. Right. And also did a process called the Hoffman process. And, and one of the things they did, the whole process was about family triggers, actually, about what triggers are in you that gets triggered back and forth. And so there's a term called pre-cycling is they anticipate you're going to be around this person. This topic is going to come up. What can you do? What can you do to stay calm? Just visualize it, go through the process, use one of the skills we're going to talk about right now is that it's going to happen. So how are you going to enjoy your holidays? And more importantly, what are you going to do to help other people enjoy the holidays? So I have a couple of suggestions here, Dr. Aria. You're the psychologist, so you have to listen. No? Okay, I'm listening. Don't forget, we okay, want to make so sure we We have a basic, we have a basic tool. And so this is not just talk. These are real tools, real time. They make a huge difference. So one of the biggest things that we both do with our clients in pain is that no discussion your pain, no discussion your medical care, no complaining, no criticism, no giving unasked for advice, no gossiping. Just be nice. I mean, people in pain, and I understand it. If, if you're listening to this podcast, there's a high chance that you're in pain. Well, when you go to a family gathering, you want to you want to be nurtured and have support when you are complaining again about your physical condition or your mental condition just it doesn't help you push people away badly so it's been one of the biggest factors that we've had in our entire process is not discussing your pain period end of story and i'm absolute on this people get upset at me but that also brings another tool in called expressive writing so if you want to complain do it on a piece of paper write all your really negative feelings about that person on a piece of paper. They're just thoughts. And so what it does, it releases this negative energy in a way that's very powerful. So take the person that really upsets you, that you know is going to trigger you, put it on paper, tear it up, do the expressive writing exercise. Um, the other thing is when you are <clears throat> triggered, we have a little thing called 532 with five words is no action and a reaction. Okay, you're triggered. Your brain's offline. You just take a break. Stop. The second line, three words, is flip the switch. When you've calmed down a little bit, just decide to move on. <clears throat> it's not worth being triggered. It's not helping your time together with people. And then the final two words is move on. Enjoy your time. So again, five words, no action and reaction. <clears throat> number, number two, flip the switch. And number three, move on. <clears throat> and the final thing that I'll say, which I'll let Dr. Aria pursue, I will let you talk still, Dr. Aria. <clears throat> Is and this is this is basically what we're trying to say we have a whole bunch of skills that all of them come into play during a family gathering. It's your chance to practice your tools. But the final one is nurture joy. I mean, who's this person behind your labels? Who is this person that just triggered you? So that, I mean, it's curiosity. It means positive topics, joy. But again, choose joy. So number one, cut it. Quit complaining in every realm. And number two, choose joy. Yep. I think that's great. And, and that really ties into everything David said was about 
how to basically strategize with some real practical tools. And in essence, what David and I are saying is practice your mind-body skills. You know, do not neglect your breath work, your meditation, your expressive writing, your exercising. So I use breath work a lot when I'm triggered and a lot of body work. So coming back to the body. And my message there before we give you the last tip here is this is that your breath, the way you breathe, it's the remote control to your nervous system. Just gently slowing your breath down, especially elongating the out breath, will really shift your emotional state. So it's a nice way to stay grounded. The other thing is this is um, we want to mention here is take time for yourself. One of the things is I'm very no I'm known in my family is there goes Uncle Les. Um, he's going for his walks. And so during holidays, I tend to take lots of walks because I like being out and about and being cooped up and, um, you know, snacking some more and playing and watching more videos or watching more football. I do all of that. But one of the things I want to encourage you is this is just take a 10 minute walk or five minute walk down the street and all the way back. And that will reset you. Getting out and away from everyone will reduce your overstimulated brain and nervous system. So very excellent. I agree that you got to take time for yourself and then just let yourself and your trigger, just taking a time out and the breath work is very, very powerful. I neglected to mention that and, and, and it's a big one. So the bottom line in conclusion is a keep your perspective. What do you want out of this holiday? So you want nurture and support. You want joy. You need it. We all need it. We need family connection. So what is important? So if you're triggered, that's not important. It's not, it feels important, but what's important is nurturing joy. So it's a, it's a learned skill set. And again, we're not in a positive thinking, but we're in a positive outlook, positive choices. You always have freedom. And as Dr. Aria has, and I do quote you on this a lot, <clears throat> is that people go through the process, they have good days and bad days. Then they have a bad day, they get very self-critical that I'm not doing my tools, et cetera. The number one rule of this entire process is number one, awareness, but number two is be kind to yourself. Just be nice to yourself. Then you can be nice to other people. It's hard to be nice to other people when you're not being very nice to yourself. So Dr. Ari, I am going to give you the last word today. Well, thank you, David. Honestly, audience to everyone uh, and to the Hanscom family here, as always, be kind to yourself, as David says also, and let the holidays begin. Thanks, David. Dr. Arya, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, David. And audience, happy Thanksgiving. David and Les would love to hear from you about today's podcast and any ideas for future topics. You can email them at david-les at dynamichealingpodcast.com. That's david-les at dynamichealingpodcast.com. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.